Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show. My name is Patrick Darty. I am joined today by Mr. Denny Carter. We're going to break down this week's biggest news, including Josh McDaniels' arrival in Las Vegas and Tom Brady's departure from Tampa Bay. We also take a look at players who had injury-marred 2021s but were target hogs when healthy. And then we'll end the show by taking a trip down Tom Brady memory lane and remembering some dudes that he made target hogs over the years. But we'll also begin the show by going down Tom Brady memory lane because for the second time in four days, he has retired. Yes, yes. It's uh, it's amazing how many times the greatest of all time can retire. I, I think he's he's going for the record in that as well. He's gonna, And you know what's funny is that he actually avoided like the self-aggrandizement that a lot of times usually accompany. Like he didn't have like a two-year farewell tour. Yeah. You know, where like every opposing team gives him like a rocking chair. Like baseball is especially prone to this. Like someone announces they're retiring in spring training and then everywhere they go, you know, they yeah. get off their cap yeah. for every game and they get like a gift. And he didn't do that, but then he still somehow ended up making it an accidental drama. And uh, <laughs> because, just, uh, because, because people uh, uh, jumped the gun. They did. And you know, it is, the media has got to report when they've got the news. It, it is, you can understand why, you know, he was just kind of like, come on, bro. Like, can I just right. announce my own retirement? And, but you can also understand why ESPN's Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington are not going to like sit on a scoop no. <laughs> about Tom Brady retiring. No, absolutely and, not. And, and uh, uh, I, I kind of thought for a minute there that Brady would be so irritated by his retirement being ruined <laughs> with that announcement or with that with that reporting that he would come back for one more year just out of spite. And the you know the 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 Bucks would win nine games, they would lose in the wild card, whatever. It didn't matter. He just wanted to come back to. Uh, to own the reporters. Yeah, the old Brady would have, but I, I think guess he's, so. guess he's I gone soft. That. I don't know. I mean, we're, uh, we're more people are asking this. All someone, the time. someone leaks your retirement and you don't come back for a five, a half decade revenge tour. I mean, is that really, mm-hmm. we're really supposed to uh, believe you're the greatest of all time. That's not the Tom Brady. I know. No, it's, it actually is not the Tom Brady we know. And I, I mean, I think he should retire. Like, even though, like he was arguably the best player in the league. He was like the clay, like we got the point, you know, <laughs> like we, yeah, right. we, we got the point. And I think like he got the point, which is why he finally retired. I mean, he understood at this point, it's kind of like when you like play a video game dynasty and then you've won the Super Bowl, maybe say seven times. 
you're kind of like, well, I probably don't need to keep doing this. <laughs> and seven out of ten. I mean, yeah. the guy went to ten Super Bowls. Oh my gosh. Uh, um, no one is more synonymous with their sports championship than Brady is with with the Super Bowl. It's it's incredible. And and the fact that we know he could have come back and led the led the league again, probably, and receive and the passing yards probably passing touchdowns, all major categories. We like, we know that. And he, yes. and, he and he knows we know that. It's true. I, I think that that's part of the, part of the reason that he can say, okay, I'm hanging it up. It is true. Yeah. Well, he can still lord that over us and he might be like, I don't remember people, Herschel Walker before he became a politician used to like go viral, like once every yeah. like two or three years by claiming he could still play. And hope Tom Brady might be doing that. Um, cause he, and it, but unlike Herschel, who was a running back and would have like instantly died if he came back, Tom Brady probably actually could come back, I bet, in two or three years and still I, be very good. I know. Listen, I know it, it, it seems ridiculous. It also seems ridiculous that a guy at 44 can be the best he's ever been in his career. So I'm, I am not saying, absolutely not saying that Brady won't come back at some point. I know. I, yeah, I know. It is weird. So he should retire just because. Nothing left to prove. He like really does probably like need to get on with his life. But I actually am like it is very Tom Brady. Like now I'm like actually kind of like sad he's retiring. Like oh, I'll kind of miss maybe it's Stockholm syndrome. It'll be I'm, weird, I'm right? Just having him around, right? And and I I can say this as a a diehard Dolphins fan for many years, for 15 years. Okay, from the early 90s all the way through like 2006, seven. Dolphins just fans lost, since since 69. I just I just lost interest and in, and uh, due to fantasy football uh obsession uh but i you know as as a as a dolphins fan it was torturous torturous watching tom brady become a legend in real time because there 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 was a a point actually where the dolphins and patriots were pretty competitive for the afc east year in and year out the dave wanstead years right when you thought maybe maybe the maybe the patriots are not going to be dominant there was one season that came down to a, a final Adam Venetary field goal in the final game of the season against the Dolphins to send the Patriots. Oh, I'm sorry. Patriots missed the playoffs. They did nine and seven and missed the playoffs that year. the year after they won the Super Bowl against the Rams. Yeah. But they also, uh, uh, the Dolphins missed the playoffs because the Patriots won that game. The Dolphins were set to be a wild card team and they couldn't pull it out. It, that, that, that gutted me, gutted me. And, and uh, so for years I had to watch it. And then the, the, the Randy Moss, uh, era was just absolute torture. I mean, you look at the the highlights of those Patriots Dolphins games in the Randy Moss years or year really, uh, and uh, it's. I believe he um, scored eighteen touchdowns against the Dolphins. That it's year. embarrassing. <laughs> I would say it's uh, it's quite embarrassing. I'm not sure how the Dolphins franchise re- ever recovered from that, or if they did. I'll say they haven't is the real key there. And Tom Brady stole my innocence as well. I mean, I was a St. Louis Rams fan. We were two touchdown favorites. In the 2001-2002 Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they, let's just be real. They cheated. They changed the rules after the game. They held the Rams receivers literally every play. Then they literally changed the rules after the game. We're not bitter about it at all. They cheated um, in the AFC uh, title game, too. Yeah, they just mugged the ever-living hell out of the St. Louis Rams receivers. And they got away with it. And they won the game. But, but you, but you know, know what's fine? fine. It's you fine. know, it, you're, you're fine. Everything's fine. That's fine. It, you mad. know what, though? Uh, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And I really believe that. And like, <laughs> If you're not pushing the limits of the rules, um, it's like uh, when Richard Sherman was at his peak 
he would do things. He would like, as soon as the quarterback was flushed out of the pocket, the rules at the time, at least meant that the cornerback could then grab whoever was near him, whichever was tire near, iron and... and throw him into the, into the fan and into the stands and then beat him up. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that, like that, that was a rule and he would do that. And it seemed like cheating, but he was just using the rules to his advantage. Yeah. They didn't cheat, I guess. Uh, I mean, it, it violated the spirit of the law, I will say, but uh, yeah, I was crushed. Man. They, we would have, the Rams would have won the game if they had, yeah. if it had been like five minutes longer too. They came storming back from 17 to three yes. down. Yeah, and they finally did like take control of the game, but Mike, you know, Mike Martz wasn't famous for adjustments necessarily. No. He, he adjusted too late. Didn't didn't adjust the ranks. I was no, saying. he didn't. He didn't establish either. I mean, he did have Marshall fall. Mike Martz, he was a real one because back in the nineties and two thousands, he was refusing to establish. And a lot of times, it was times where he, he should have established. Actually. My my favorite, yeah, I, I, I am a a long time Mike Martz uh, apologist. Uh, my favorite Mike Martz play uh, that he used to run with the Rams was um, like an inexplicable tight end sweep at the goal line with no, like the uh, slowest tight ends you could imagine. He has all these guys. He has Marshall Falk and he's running like a like a double reverse to a tight end who who loses six yards. He loved that. He did. Lo- and he loved no one loved 19 step drops more than Mike Martz. He, I think he set the record for the deepest drops in NFL history. Let's look at Marshall Falk. He only had 21 touches in Super Bowl 34, 36, actually, I believe. And he had 35 in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles that year, and then only had 21 in the Super Bowl. Uh, We're not bitter about it. So, yeah, when the greatest player in league history retires, suffice to say it's not good for your franchise, Uh, even if he is 44 years old. We'll take take a look back at Brady's career again just a little later in the show. But, Denny, from a Bucks angle – like, what the heck is this team supposed to do? Uh, you know, this kind of shows the danger of orienting your entire roster around one player, but it's not like the Bucks made the wrong choice. I mean, that was the right choice to make. But now it's kind of in tatters. You know, like, the coaches, coaching staff could be getting raided. They're supposedly letting people out of their contract. Maybe Who knows if Chris Godwin will resign now. And like, what, Are there any realistic options for the Bucs? Like, what are the realistic options for the Bucs at quarterback? And twenty twenty, well, you know, they don't have a good draft yeah. pick because they had a Tom Brady season just now. Was what the heck are the Bucks supposed to do at quarterback? Yeah, uh, ESPN's Jonathan Jones said today, uh, shortly after Brady's announcement, that the team quote probably couldn't afford to take on uh, a contract of a disgruntled quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Russell Wilson. Um, they're about seven seven and a half million dollars under the salary cap, which is just not enough, not even close to absorb that kind of hit, I guess, unless they made some major changes uh, with the rest of their roster. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're not, we're not looking at that situation. We're not looking at a uh, Brady's gone. Let's bring in Aaron type type situation. Uh, some of the, you know, some of the quarterbacks that, that were, have been mentioned <laughs> at this early date. Uh, and we talked about Jameis Winston. Pro- we're trying to make it happen. We're trying possibly to returning. Happen. We're trying to will that into existence. Or for fantasy purposes, I think that's potentially fantastic. You know, I mean, uh, uh, peak Jameis is fun for fantasy, um, so that that could be one. He also went just went he went to Sean Payton like efficiency finishing school, so maybe now he won't toss an interception every fifth play. But it could be, it could be. Uh, and and as we said, he did have LASIK surgery. Uh, and uh, another free agent, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, could be, but I I don't yeah. I I really don't. 
don't see that happening. No, I mean, um, Bruce Arians, he couldn't abide by that. I mean, Bruce Arians is Mr. Deep Ball. Like, that's not just like a cliche. Yeah. Like, he actually is Mr. Deep Ball, and he, he couldn't abide by Jimmy Garoppolo and the Deep Ball. No, no. I mean, it, and that's why Garoppolo's, uh, you know, metrics are so good because he never throws that <laughs> throws the deep ball like it's it's all over the middle passes where his excellent pass catchers catch it and run for 40 yards and then uh his his epa goes through the roof so it's it, i mean yeah jimmy g is not a good fit who who do you who do you think might be a, a decent fit there i mean ben roethlisberger is a free agent yeah uh, no, i mean going down the free agent list it's just dire i mean teddy bridgewater no andy dalton no Ryan Fitzpatrick, no. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick might retire, I feel like. Cam Newton, no. Tyrod Taylor, no. Jameis, I mean. Yeah. The Jameis thing will be tough. I mean, like, like he would be a perfect, like, one or two-year bridge. I don't think Bruce Arians is really a Jameis Winston fan. Obviously not. Never really got that <laughs> sense that he's a Jameis Winston fan. And Jacoby Brissett, Marcus Mariota, Joe Flacco. I mean, this is grim stuff. And – yeah. Yeah, I just don't think I mean teams can make voodoo work with trades, but it seems like it'd be like you were laying out especially difficult for the Bucks to get that under the cap, trading for one of these guys like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera. Just seems very unlikely. And they just might get it, it, this might just really resemble the post Peyton Manning Broncos for a few years where they're kind of cycling through bridge quarterbacks, maybe take it. I guess they could take with like the 27th or 26th pick or whatever. And what is supposedly a weak quarterback draft class, they could be one of the teams to hashtag stop the slide. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's It's just so dire that there's no obvious dot to connect. And right. it's going to be a painful rebuilding year. It's just pretty much that simple. I, but this is the kind of the way it goes, right? I mean, you, you, you take your shot at, at a Super Bowl window and they had a two-year window. They won one. They were real close to getting to another NFC championship game. Uh, and and um, they, they didn't. So, and now, now you have to deal with the fallout and the fallout means that the, the team will not be nearly uh, as attractive to free agents. It won't be as attractive to Chris Godwin. That's for sure. You no. know, I, I think I, I, I honestly can't imagine Godwin coming back. After, no, I can't even imagine them re-signing him at this point, especially since he's injured. Like, yeah, like he's going to be a guy. I mean, clearly he's still going to be an elite NFL player, but the situation just doesn't make sense for the Bucks anymore as they begin to like reorient themselves towards whoever their next franchise quarterback is going to end up. That's probably just going to be a sacrifice they're going to have to make, and like they can't use, they can't use. They just they're just going to have to let that one go. I think unfortunately, and it, it is unfortunate, but hopefully he ends up somewhere cool. And not the Bears or something. Oh, God, um, please no! <laughs> like, if, like to, to get the Allen Robinson career trajectory to a T, basically. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the injury and then the Bears. Uh, Dolphins could be fun. It could be. Uh, I mean, you know, to uh, we'll see. Are you are you becoming a fan again now that Brady's finally retired? Is no, but saying? I mean, but no, but see, I, I'm uh, Tua's abilities. I I think are are would be good for God when the kind of the kind of you know receptions that Godwin gobbles up are stuff that Tua can throw, whereas like you know Mike Evans he could, like could never thrive with Tua under center, like you no. know that. So I, the, I, the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, I guess they have used two first round draft picks on receivers in like the past three years. They probably won't be willing to use uh, that cap. That, that would be good though. The Ravens were someone last year who really needed to sign a receiver and free agent, and they didn't. So then they did use the first round pick, but. I mean, Marquise Brown is clearly not it. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just clearly like a number two. He could be like a really like his ceiling is like like a deep threat number two receiver. I mean, he he did some compiling. I I mean, their their pass their neutral pass rate increased by like nine percent this pat this year from twenty twenty, and it did almost nothing for Marquise Brown's fantasy value. And and he saw the a huge target uptick. I don't think that Marquise Brown is a is anybody's idea of a wide receiver one. I I would love Godwin and Baltimore. The Chiefs need a receiver, as we know. The Raiders are going to need a receiver. They have Josh McDaniels now. The Chargers are going to need a receiver. I mean, there's some pretty interesting options. Maybe the AFC West is the division to keep an eye on for Chris Godwin. I guess it's also possible he just resigns with the Bucs. I don't know. Oh, I, I mean, they would have to have some plan at quarterback, and it's not Kyle Trask. Yeah, it's just I just don't. Yeah, I don't know what the plan could even be. I mean, maybe I'm you know, I'm a professional football writer. Maybe I should be be being more imaginative. It just seems like. They're in like the tr- Trevor Simeon, Brock Eisweiler, Paxton Lynch zone. Like it's just going to be pain for a few years. And it's fine. They they did the right thing by going all in on Tom Brady. But now it's time to pay the piper. Yep. Danny, four years after leaving the Colts at the altar, one of Tom Brady's former play callers, Josh McDaniels, has finally decided to give head coaching another world, taking his talents to Las Vegas. Some listeners of this show, I'm not even saying this is a joke, maybe too young to remember Josh McDaniels' time in Denver which was shockingly long ago at this point. Yeah. But it started with him fighting Jay Cutler and ended with him getting fired for videotaping the San Francisco 49ers practice <laughs> in London. Uh, in between, he drafted Tim Tebow. Uh, is there any chance he's been humbled in the intervening decade and will be a better head coach this time around? Because he was just a flaming tire fire the first time in Denver. I mean, we've, we've seen this happen. I, I guess uh, Mike Shanahan comes to mind, you know, Shanahan was a, quite a, a disaster in his first stint with the Raiders and then came, you know, to the Broncos and was very different in the way that he approached it from an organizational standpoint, from play calling standpoint. So, I, you know, we we have seen coaches mature. I guess that's the best case scenario here. I will say that the uh, amid the the intense speculation for days and sometimes weeks about McDaniels coming to Vegas, the players coming out and saying, we want Rich Bisaccia. Uh, Bisaccia. <laughs> we want Rich Bisaccia. I only wrote his name 47 times <laughs> yesterday. Um, uh, Rich Bisaccia uh, to, to stay as the head coach. is not, That's not a great, that's not a, a great start. I, I'd say, I, I think that the players, no, no player is going to come out and say, Oh God, we're devastated. But Josh Jacobs did have a, uh, an emoji tweet that indicated that he's a little bit reticent about Josh Dan- McDaniels <laughs> coming to the team. So yeah, we, he's about we, to get traded to the bears. We have to look into this. Um, anyway, I, I, I think that there's a, a chance, but I overall think that it is a, a probably a really bad hire. <laughs> I mean, his reputation precedes him, not just with us, but with players in the league. I mean, too, what he did to the Colts, I mean, was not great. In 2008, remind remind the people what happened because that that was a long time ago too. Yeah, he accepted the Colts head coaching job. The Colts tweeted out like four gifts of him oh. like celebrating and take. It was bad. It was really really bad. And then he he welched. He backed out at the last minute, and yeah. uh, it was bad. And I mean, no so, one... some look at some guys are, are are really great coordinators and really terrible head coaches, and I think that that's the situation with McDaniels, whether it'll be a slow disaster or a fast moving disaster. I think that that's the only question now. I mean, the only thing he has the experience now of, okay, I failed miserably in Denver. 
And then he got another 10 years working under Bill Belichick. So presumably he has learned a lot and grown as a person, but like, that's going to be like necessary. Like that won't be like a luxury. Like th- those are going to be like, that's like absolutely necessary for it to have any success because if he approaches it the same way he did in Denver, right? Cause it's so weird the way these Bill Belichick guys come out guns blazing. Cause that's not how Belichick does it. No, you know, no. like I don't understand why they always come out like so guns blazing. And like, like, did you not watch your former boss any of these past few years and right. how he operates? And part of the, uh, the, the confusing part to me is that, the 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 Raiders under John Gruden and and Mike Mayock uh, had a lot of issues. Primarily, the draft. And so they would have been actually good if they just had a real GM. Right. Like if John Gruden hadn't been allowed to right. like have a puppet master. Like they would have actually been because John Gruden was actually coaching well. He just right. Was. So so the team building and the draft part was was the like the main downfall of that regime. So they bring in the guy who traded up to take Tim Tebow <laughs> in the first round of the draft in 2010, I think. It was and, 2010, yes. And uh, um, when Tebow was projected to be safely a second-day pick, like could have had him in the second day. Instead, they, they, they traded at least two draft picks to move up. So I, I, the, the, the whole idea that McDaniels, McDaniels is going to bring some organizational stability and and decent decision-making. I mean, I feel like it's far-fetched. Well, so, yeah, this is all dependent on him being a totally different person right. than he was. There. And like you said, there are examples of guys who, when they get that second chance, like, wow, I really screwed it up the first time. And it wouldn't be the first time, but it's just hard. It's hard, especially this in an organization like the Raiders, who this, you know, they don't have great ownership. Uh, it's a, it's kind of, you know, it's been a clown car organization for them. They're, they're trying to change it. Mark Davis is, He's like desperately trying to change that. Like he, he was all in on John Green. He had a 10 year commitment, but oh God. yeah, it's just like, yeah, ten you gotta, years, man. I don't think Josh McDaniels got a 10 year deal. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, yeah. I remember watching that press conference and John Gruden, that introductory press conference for Gruden coming back, talking about 10 years, a hundred million guaranteed, right? It was guaranteed. Yes. And, and he, he said, I, you know, I want to, I want to bring back, 1998. That's what he said. But it, was, like, but it was weird because he actually did like coordinate the offense well. Like he really did. Eventually, like, eventually. But I feel like that first year was quite quite the the first disaster. year was bad. Actually, That's he, he was he was trying to shoehorn his 90s stuff into modern day football. It wasn't working. I guess for by the way for McDaniel, I guess Carr can maybe run this like efficiency type offense the Patriots have always run. But I guess. Just I don't know. It's hard to have good vibes about this one. No. The New York Giants got their man and Brian Dable, yet another Bill Belichick disciple. And he is reportedly very high, quote unquote, on Daniel Jones. Denny Dable was around for the Josh Allen ride. But is there any chance he coaxes a similar fourth year breakout out of Daniel Jones? Or I mean, because that's just what that's what this all comes down to. If they don't move on from Daniel Jones, I feel like they are gonna give him one more year, but maybe not. Uh, yeah, no, he has he has one more year. Um, I think a, a, a last chance to show that he is a, a viable starter in the NFL. And uh, thankfully for him, he doesn't have to do it under Jason Garrett and Joe Judge. Like he he actually gets, I think, gets a, a real shot here with a guy who, you know, took Josh Allen and a Bills offense that 
as of three years ago was not was not looking good. You know, it was it was all over the place. They didn't know what they wanted to do. Uh, um, you know, Josh Allen is overthrowing everything. He clearly has a lot of ability, but to to be able to hone it was a was an entirely different story. Daniel Jones does not have, uh, I don't think, the ability of Josh Allen, not even close. What he does have is uh, underrated mobility, uh, which which is, has has been and what and was a key to Josh Allen, um, you know, in in Buffalo and uh, a system that actually gets guys open puts more receivers on the field is more aggressive just just in in every way more aggressive downfield more aggressive on fourth downs i i think that he's he's going to be in a good position now if daniel jones is just playing bad it's not it's not going to work out but i i do have some i have some hope i have a little daniel jones hope I mean, the pens will at least be set up now, like for him to knock down. They were never even set. I mean, as we yeah. know, it was the yeah. maybe the least sophisticated offense in the entire NFL yes. in the past two years, just banging your head against the wall runs. And it was guys who weren't physically right. I mean, 2020, I mean, they were literally signing guys off the street and still running that kind of offense. And I mean, the problem is, see, yeah, Daniel Jones is like, he he's like a guy who kind of like tests the limits of the word similar. Because his skill set is similar to Josh Allen's, yet still nowhere near Josh Allen's. Where, where first off, he doesn't have the arm. Of, not only does he not have the arm of Josh Daniels, but or excuse me, of uh, Josh Allen, he doesn't even like to use his arm. He's infamous for not throwing deep, for never wanting to throw deep. He did not do that in 2021, even after they signed one of the preeminent deep ball receivers in the entire NFL, Kenny Galladay. Like it's just not something Daniel Jones has ever done, and. He's a very above average athlete for a quarterback, but he like Josh Allen's like a special athlete for a quarterback. And th- so I, I hopefully Brian Dable's not going to just try to like ex- clone the Bills system because obviously that will not work. No. The stuff he needs to clone is like the more like sophisticated approach to offense. Oh, you know, maybe don't run every single first down and maybe just throw a seven yard out to Kadarius Tony right. instead. Yeah. And, you're right about it. at least at least he'll Daniel Jones will have a chance to success. He really they he had no chance under Garrett and Judge. Here's just to emphasize your point about uh, actually your point that you made uh, last time we podcasted uh, about Daniel Jones never throwing it deep. So in 2021, uh, 6.6% of Daniel Jones's pass attempts went over 20 yards downfield. That was the lowest in the entire league among quarterbacks who had at least 25% of their team's passing attempts. So 6.6% downfield rate. He completed eight of 24 downfield passes uh, for, th- for 330 yards, four touchdowns and two interceptions. So it, it, it was as bad as you could possibly have imagined when he went downfield that, that, that cannot sustain that cannot no. continue if he if he's going to have another shot in the league after this year and that's really interesting because in 2020 when i was doing a bunch of kenny galladay research last year uh daniel jones didn't throw down the field at all in 2020 either but when he did he was like actually successful i was like well maybe if he just ever threw down the field he'd start having a little more success so board bodes very poorly that he wasn't even successful the limited times he did do it in 2021. And yeah. The thing is, Daniel Jones is clearly, like Josh Allen, like a very intelligent person and football player. Like he seems like like he at least has like, he could have the football IQ in theory, but 
it doesn't really matter if you don't have like the instincts I get or like this. And yeah, he he's he's physically gifted enough, but he's yeah. Josh Allen just has so much margin for error because even this year, Josh Allen, you know, would still do some like crazy Josh Allen things, but his margin for error is just like off the charts. Whereas Daniel Jones is never going to have like that level of margin for error. And in, uh, in 2020, you mentioned uh, from th- those numbers, uh, 2020, uh, Daniel Jones was sixth in yards per attempt on deep passes. Uh, That's what I thought. Yeah. So he yeah. was good when he actually picked his spots, but he just never picked his spots. And then last year, I guess, even when he did pick his spots, he was bad. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. I would like to see Daniel Jones succeed because he's got a pretty unique skill set. Um, but yeah, okay, let's do that. Like we said, the, I think the takeaway from everything we've been saying is that he at least will now have a shot. There's so many guys who never even like Sam Bradford from the moment his career started. Oh yeah, no, was no just shot. never set up for success. And like you know, it gets into excuse making, but he was just never ever set up for success. Sam Darnold. So this is like this is like a Sam Darnold moment for Daniel Jones because Sam Darnold was not set up for success at all his first three years in the league. Then he got Joe Brady and and a pretty good supporting cast and was not successful. So yeah, he's going to have to basically do what Sam Darnold didn't do and take advantage of improved fourth year circumstances. But after three years, you learn so many bad habits and stuff. It's just, it's going to be a, a very, very, it's an uphill habit. situation yeah. for him. Danny Odell Beckham is riding high heading into the Super Bowl, coming off his most productive game as a Ram but he's a free agent to be and Bob Woods under contract for several more seasons. Is there any realistic chance Odell Beckham is back in Los Angeles next year? Or is this kind of like a moment in time, one and done type situation, with OBJ and the Rams. The Rams have so much money tied up with Robert Woods and Cooper cup uh, that I, you know, unless OBJ gives them a, a team friendly deal, which he has literally no incentive to do. Isn't, yeah. Unless he just wants to be happy at this point because maybe he, he has like suffered through, he, he knows what it's like to be unhappy in the NFL. Let's put it that right. way. And yeah, uh, um, I think that, you know, the likelihood is, is Beckham is gone. Uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said last week that the, the, the chiefs expressed interest in OBJ uh, we have the prayer emoji going on from Pat here uh, that, that, that the chiefs expressed interest. They could circle back on him this off season and finally get that, that third receiving option that they so desperately need. I, you know, I, I think that that, that seems as likely as any landing spot for, uh, for OBJ. The chiefs, it's so simplistic, but if they had the Odell Beckham in the AFC championship game, you probably have to assume they're in the super bowl just because, over and over again, we saw that third weapon just never emerged for the Chiefs. It was vaguely, Michael Hardman, like to find, and like even that it was like on five or six touches a game. He had the bizarre situation where he just declined to catch that long ball in the NFC oh. AFC Championship game. Someone, no one's gotten to the bottom of that yet. Uh, what was I, that? I need to like pull. I need to like quite literally pull up the all twenty-two and see if that was actually as close to him as it appeared. Um, I, I, I was praying that the sun got in his eyes and he had no idea the ball was coming. I don't, I don't think it was even sunny because it, 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 it looked like it looked for all the world like an 80 yard touchdown. Yeah, it did. And but I'll, I'll say, I mean, it could be the sun. I'll, I'll quote Kevin Morby, who no one knows who it is. But he says, don't underestimate Midwest American sun. That's all that Michael Hardman like hopefully it was the sun in his eyes because that was bad. But I'm really I'm really hoping because there was there was some there were there were some effort issues on that play that my DFS lineups were not happy about. <laughs> so the Chiefs just need that third weapon so bad. 
So yeah, Odell, it's just, he clearly loves being a Ram and he's clearly so important to this offense. And he's a different kind of receiver than Robert Woods is too. I mean, Robert Woods is really tough. Odell Beckham, you don't think of him as like rugged. I feel like Odell Beckham is like a rugged playmaker though. Like a guy who kind of, he's like willing to mix it up. He makes like tough catches. Not that Robert Woods doesn't, but he's just a different kind of receiver than Robert Woods. He he was kind of a missing element for this offense, but it's hard to see how he's back. And yeah, just enjoy this moment. Rams fans of having Odell Beckham Um, receivers heading into the Super Bowl. Denny Tyler Boyd has only 10 catches for 62 yards through the Bengals' postseason run. Has his slot moment come and gone for this former compiling God. He is signed for two more seasons. The Bengals could actually save a lot of money by releasing Tyler Boyd. I don't think they will do that because their salary cap, salary cap situation is not bad. It's never bad to have uh, very good depth, but is so could Tyler Boyd, you know, he kind of, he had a PPR moment, but is that yeah. PPR moment over now that he has two legit alpha receivers? And do we just kind of need to move on from Tyler Boyd and dynasty for as long as he's a Bengal? Man, I yes, but like who who doesn't know that? You know, it's it's, yeah, it's, know. it's it'd be hard to find a league mate who's like, oh yeah, I think Tyler Boyd's in for a resurgence. It could be a, a rebuilding team who's willing to just gamble on him being a compiler's next. Oh yeah, because this yeah. is probably going to be his final season in Cincinnati coming up. Because they could save a lot of money by cutting him either of the next two years. And he's probably going to become a luxury they can't afford fairly soon but that is like the only way like hey 2023 tyler boyd who wants yeah. a second round pick anybody am i right <laughs> and no, it, um i can't think of a of a team i guess maybe the seahawks or a team where it's harder to compete with for targets yeah <laughs> over over the the top two uh pass catching options i i mean you know like we said higgins is an alpha jamar chase is special special alpha Alpha plus, uh, you know, I, I just, Alpha I mean, edge plus uh, Boyd is uh, just not able to command the targets that he, that he used to, you know, that before, um, before these guys came in, before T Higgins established himself, you know, he used to be able to kind of default fall into a bunch of targets. That's not happening. No. And Joe Burrow's kind of like Patrick Mahomes at least used to be where like, he's just, He's just not a guy that's gonna be peppering the target, the slot with targets. No. He doesn't need to. And like Joe Burrow's, even though even when he doesn't have deep specialists like Jamar Chase and Teagans, Joe Burrow's like a downfield passer. Like he's just never gonna be a guy locking on to the slot. And maybe hey, the, the Las Vegas Raiders should trade a third round pick or second round. They'd probably have to be a second round pick for Tyler Boyd. Get Josh McDaniels as Patriot slot type of dude. Uh, catch yeah. 110 balls well, for the Raiders. I guess they already have. Yeah, I was gonna say they, they're, uh, they're the one true God. Set. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're set with with Renfro, but uh, I guess it couldn't hurt to have What's, a backup slot. Uh, no, yeah. the no. over under 119.5 for Hunter Renfro 2022 receptions. Denny. Oh, over. You're you're hammering. Though. <laughs> you're hammering the over yeah, on um, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's gonna lead the league. He's going to lead the league. Yeah, so Tyler Boyd, though. Yeah, like you said, he's just kind of like a failed dynasty league asset. Like, a, like there's just – you can't cut him. But like you said, there's just no way you can trade him. No. And maybe the thing – you make him a throw-in in a deal, like where someone is just hoping – he's like the three to four weekly reception throw-in. Like, so he's depth for the other team. But, yeah, that's that's a tough scene in dynasty leagues. You know, Tyler – because there's just no way to see this getting better in 2022. There's just no, no. way. Uh, We'll be right back. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. The NFL postseason is here, and NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer. Get 15% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs when you use promo code PLAYOFF15. Get every tool for every game at one low price. It's easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have NBC Sports Edge Plus. Denny, this is a very Denny topic, and a, a by extension, me topic. But you wanted to take a minute to talk about some players who suffered through Injury plagued 2021s, but when they were healthy, commanded massive target shares. Kadarius Tony was one of our favorite players all season, even though he only had two good games. Yeah. He seems like a good place to start for this exercise. What, what, what do you think Kadarius Tony's target dominance, the rare moments he was able to feature in 2021 yeah. means, and like how might he fit with Brian Dable, this offense, et cetera? Yeah, so I just I wanted to mention these guys headlined by Kadarius Tony. As just sort of a reminder, as as fantasy footballers go into the the off season, that uh, you know commanding targets is very much a skill. You know, it, it's it, there. There are lots of times. How many times have we seen teams who are struggling with receiver injuries, and we say, "Well, this guy's at the top of the depth chart now. I guess he's going to see a lot of targets." And that guy doesn't no. because <laughs> why? Because he because he doesn't give a compelling reason for the quarterback to target him. So, um, you know, people don't just fall into targets usually. And Kadarius Toney uh, from week four to six, very small sample, okay? But that that's when he was the uh, wide receiver one for the Giants. He was targeted on an incredibly high 40% of his pass routes over that span, the fourth highest rate in the league over those three weeks. He had the third highest yards per route run uh, during that stretch. And his ability... Uh, to command targets, you know, didn't didn't start in in week four, and um, hopefully won't end there at uh, at the University of Florida with a guy named Kyle Pitts. You may remember him in that offense. Uh, Tony led the team with a nineteen and a half percent target share and had nearly twenty two percent of the team's receptions, Man. which obviously was a team high as well. So, uh, you know, his, he he gets open, he gets separation. I think that he he is a guy who, if he can possibly stay healthy next season, 
uh, could command a, a startling number of, of targets and really prove to be a value. Now, who knows where he's going to be drafted? But, you know. Well, so like you said, it comes down like it's commanding targets is a skill, and Tony has that skill, but he's also going to have the opportunity because Sterling Shepard has a torn Achilles tendon. Uh, they're not going to sign. They can't invest more money in another big-time free agent receiver after the Kenny Galladay deal. They're not going to use another first-round pick on a receiver. Like so, the competition's basically not coming. Sterling Shepard was like that slot competition. Was when Shepard got hurt and Tony was in the slot. Yeah, it was just like he was getting targeted every play, and so he has the ability, and he's also going to have the skill. Hopefully, he has a healthy offseason. He seemed like a guy, you know, who had was having trouble just adjusting to the rigors of the NFL. Like I don't, even, I don't mean that like a in a negative. It's just like an unsurprising thing. He was kind of a smaller guy and just like. He had a lot of had a hard time staying healthy, so it's gonna be nice for him to have an entire off season like in an NFL building, NFL training regimens, and just he should be in much better shape, much healthier, better condition, ready to go for twenty twenty two, and has the much better coach as we talked about early in this. And the stars are kind of aligning for even though it was such a frustrating rookie year, it was the stars are kind of aligning for yeah, if he can stay healthy. For a really, really big time, Kadarius Tony, twenty twenty two fantasy season. Uh, never forget that in Week Six against the Rams, Kadarius Tony ran four routes. He was targeted three times, caught three balls for forty yards. So, uh, and we were on our way. We were on our way, and then he got hurt. And that yeah, was what happened? Wait, wasn't it like his hand or something? It was something weird? It was something thumb, thumb, wrist, yeah. hand. It was something. You don't need that, that if you're a receiver. Come on, man. I've never, uh, I've never tilted harder. No, that was very – I think that was like all like the opening drive. Yes. Yes, it, it was. was. And it was after the game where he caught like 40 passes. So I was like, well, this is for real actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and he got hurt. Uh, so chasing the points. We were going to get away with it. You were going to get away with chasing We were this close points. and Scooby-Doo ruined it. So who who is the next man up on this yeah. list, Denny? Uh, next guy is Elijah Moore, who you, re, you may remember from a dominant – Week eight to week 13 run this past season. He was fantasy's fourth highest scoring receiver uh, during that five game stretch. Of course, he was buoyed by a a pretty solid 15% touchdown rate, but we don't need to focus on that. Um, You know, just to talk about, you know, how he was targeted or or, uh, to what extent he was targeted on 30% of his pass routes over that stretch. That's the fifth highest in the league over those games. And he only ran a route, Moore only ran a route on 65% of the Jets' dropbacks uh, during this. It was actually a six-game stretch. So it's not like he was at the 80-90% uh, route-running clip that we that we like to see, that we usually see from target hogs. I think that that's actually uh, in his uh, a notch in his favor here. Um, and then going back to, to college at, at Ole Miss, Elijah Moore was also a target hog. He was 10th in the country in targets in his – Final season at Ole Miss, uh, second in receptions in 2020, trailing only Devontae Smith. Uh, he had a 37% target share in 2020. You know, that's a lot. That's uh that, that that's that's quite that, <laughs> that that's quite the thing for a, a college receiver uh to absorb. And he has he has shown that when healthy, when integrated into an offense, um, he becomes the top option. And he was last year for that for those six games. Yeah, and during those six games, if I'm not mistaken, it was like with two or three different quarterbacks. So it was just like skill just taking over completely, yeah. like where he became undeniable basically. And because, yeah, the Jets were cycling through quarterbacks at that stage. 
And they're all coming to the same conclusion. Like, oh, I should probably throw to Elijah Moore a lot. And it works. Josh Johnson, and, even. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, if you're sitting and wondering this offseason, like, oh, wow, we're really hyping Elijah Moore again, huh? Like, they didn't really do a whole lot for me last year. Because, you know, he was relentlessly hyped all summer yes, yes. in training camp and then didn't do anything the first half of the season. So there are probably some people who got burned by that. But yeah, if you're hearing more Elijah Moore hype and narratives this offseason, I, I would say it's safe to buy into them. And it, like we got what we wanted from his rookie campaign, basically. And he is most certainly going to be a thing. For sure. Yes, absolutely. I, I have I am very confident in that. And uh, I think that people getting burned will keep his ADP uh, relatively you know, uh, palatable. Well, will he get burned any by his teammate, Braxton Berrios? Braxton Berrios. This um, is a, this so is a we got two guys in the same team. How's this going to work? We have two guys on the worst passing offense in the league. Um, <laughs> you guys are like shorter than us too, I think. Um, so how's this going to work? Denny? Wait, which, which makes you wonder why we're not, uh, yeah, why, why am I not? Back. Yeah. Soaking up targets from Zach Wilson. I would, the people are asking the, nevertheless, uh, Berrios, uh, you know, so he, he became the Jets target hog, after the Elijah Moore injury that basically ended his season, Barrios from week 14 to 17 uh, was a top 10 PPR option uh, among wide receivers. He led the Jets with a 26% target share over that stretch. It's not the first time, it, you know, like all these guys, like they have histories of commanding targets, and that's important. At the University of Miami in 2017, that was his final year there, Barrios had a 20.3% target share that was the highest uh, on the team. He led the Hurricanes in targets, receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Uh, he tested relatively well uh, at the combine when he came into the league. 85th percentile agility score was his kind of kind of his calling card um, at the combine. So you know, Barrios is I think is like a real uh, fantasy producer if he can get a full time gig. Now he is I believe he is a free agent, so he he could end up on on another team he probably still has an uphill climb to, you know, to become like a, like a, a unquestioned starting slot receiver in the, in the league. But slot receivers are kind of like relief pitchers in major league baseball. Like once you get established that you actually can be like a seventh or eighth inning guy, like teams will just like keep taking chances on you over and over again. And Braxton Berrios has finally firmly established that he is like a viable NFL slot receiver. And he probably will end up somewhere where he's going to get actual time. How did this guy get away from the Patriots, by the way? It's a, it's incredible. I, I, Our and, best scientists are working on it. He like, was, yeah, I mean, he's he's uh, custom-made to be a, a 10-year Patriots receiver. Well, and so he is indeed a free agent, but he showed an ability you know, to command targets over the middle of the field. And he is someone not to write off. And yeah, once you get established an NFL slot receiver, you're going to get like, like ask Adam Humphreys, like you're going to get like many opportunities to do that. So Rex yeah. Barrios is someone you can have, do we have any other names on this list or is that we the have, uh, well, th- those are the three that had like brief runs. I wanted to mention Adam Thielen briefly. Say, Adam Thielen doesn't really count. Right. You know, but but he, mention him anyway, though. He, he did, you know, there were some concern concerning trends. Uh, he was targeted on uh 23% of his routes, which marked a 3% decline from the previous year. So Justin Jefferson's uh, tar- targets went up. His, his share of the targets went up. Thielen's went down in the 13 games that Thielen played. Um, also, his red zone, Thielen's red zone involvement uh, was was not as good as 2020. It, it actually, you know, it feels like every time you turn on a Vikings game, Adam Thielen is getting a, a target inside the 10 and catching a touchdown. So I thought, you know, that he had a, a ton 
of of those kind of targets. It turns out he only had eight targets inside the ten yard line. Wow. He just happened to catch six of those for touchdowns. So extremely efficient um, with Kirk Cousins. But there were I think there were some concerning trends about his uh, share of the pie in Minnesota. I guess we'll see who uh, you know how that offense is next year. Who comes in? Who's the coach? Who's the quarterback? We don't know these things. Well, if Kirk Cousins heading to the Bucks, I mean, it's just going to be it's going to be oh. tough for you know, <laughs> that's uh, that will not be happening. And you can talk about a guy Bruce Arians would not like. No, <laughs> Kirk no. Cousins. No, there's no way. Uh, so that does it for that. Yep. That we're, we're going to get. We're on to Tom Brady. We're going to end the show the way we began the show, Denny. Yep, Denny. It's not the seven thousand two hundred sixty-three career completions. It is the careers Tom Brady made along the way. With everyone's favorite, I will finally begrudgingly respect this man retiring. It's time to take a look back at some of the more random connections Tom Brady had throughout his 22-year career. Beginning with Chris Hogan, which is one of multiple Bills subtweets. I feel like the Patriots sent out with their receiver core like, oh, you got a guy you don't think's good. How about we just sign him and make him good? Yep. And Chris Hogan who despite becoming the all-time NFL win sprint champion later in his career was made a thing by Tom Brady. How did this happen? I, I, I don't, don't have an answer, honestly, but he had, look, he had uh, four games with Tom Brady of over 90 yards, uh, including against his former team, the bills uh, in 20, uh, 2015. I'm sorry. In 20, in October, 2016, he caught four passes for 91 yards and a touchdown against his former team. Uh, the ultimate subtweet, as you, yeah. as, as you said, uh, Chris Hogan is famously a lacrosse player who runs Didn't know that. in a straight line. And that's about it. And Tom Brady made him sometimes a thing in fantasy. And I think we can all be impressed by that. You can't. Uh, Chris Hogan led the NFL in yards per reception his first year in New England. So, like, you just want to talk about like you're the Bills. Like, all right, just just relax a little bit. Like, we we get it. You're better than us. Please just don't do this. Please stop anymore. hurting us. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please stop hurting us. Um, but they didn't. And but now the Bills have finally gotten their revenge. To, uh, Danny Tom Brady completed over 300 passes to a former eighth round pick which you may have heard the eighth round does not exist anymore. Uh, do you know who this player is? It's, it's, it's Troy Brown. Um, it's, it's Troy Brown. He yes. completed over 300 passes to a former eighth round pick, Troy Brown. Uh, how, how did he get away with this stuff, man? Um, the, the Troy Brown thing was, was pretty amazing. I remember Troy Brown used to like line up at quarterback. And then, yeah, Troy, didn't he play like cornerback occasionally too? Yes. I, I remember lots of crazy weird stuff with Troy Brown. He played Brown. cornerback, quarterback. He punted, I believe. That's I, right. I, have, That's I have a memory of him punting. I'm pretty sure he kicked a field goal at some point. He he did he did everything for the early uh early years, you know, early era Belichick Brady Patriots. Um yeah, I mean Troy Brown who like who is Troy Brown? Like he's he's no, you know, nobody's idea of like a, a, a reliable fantasy receiver, but Brady made him so. He was out of football for like 15 years, by the way, and now he's back on the Patriots coaching staff. So maybe a beef with Tom Brady. Brady left the Pats, and then Troy Brown joined the coaching staff in 2020. I'm just oh, saying. Well, uh, they, they, yeah, bad blood, maybe. Just don't know. Uh, so, Denny, something that would frequently happen with Tom Brady is that like total randos would become fantasy cause celebras. I don't know if I pronounced that right. You know that that French phrase. Cause celeb. 
It's pronounced like cause celebre if you say it like in English, but that's not how you're supposed to pronounce it. Cause celebras, I believe. Anyways, Kimberl Tompkins. He was a 2013 undrafted free agent. We all talked ourselves into in fantasy. He ended up catching 32 passes a rookie and then was never heard from again. He fell down the bottomless Raiders and Jets black hole. Listen, Zoomers, I know we're alienating you as hard as we possibly can right now, and I apologize for that. But you you really have to understand that on fantasy Twitter in 2013 <laughs> it was palpable. Kembrel Tompkins was being mentioned alongside guys who were going to have great careers, great seasons, amazing production. And Tompkins was right there in that conversation. Is he going to be great? The question was, is it going to be good or is it going to be great? Those are the only two. Yeah, those and, are the only two possible outcomes. And, 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 and listen, nothing, nothing pointed in that direction. Nothing. His college production did not point there. His uh, uh, combine numbers did not point there. Uh, he was below average in every single possible way you could possibly measure. And we still did it. We still, and I was guilty. I was guilty. Look, and, and uh, you, you know what happened. Uh, he ended up not being, not being a thing. Well, you know how so you know Havana syndrome, Denny, the mysterious I, I thing affecting American diplomats around the world. Yeah. Well, now they're saying that they think it might be like a mass physiological. What's the word? Oh, uh, psychosis. Uh, kind of like it's like psychosis. Yeah. That it might be like this, like a mass physiological. Maybe is the word illness. I, I like, heard. I heard it was a hangover. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, I heard it was because people were hungover. Well, it's like when people think. Like there's something happening, like you're kind of like prone. To, you couldn't like actually experience the symptoms too. So like there are some people who might not truly be having an illness with this, but like they're feeling physical effects from it, and it becomes like this runaway thing. Um, and this happened with Patriots receivers and tight ends all the time. Yeah, same year with Kimbrel Tompkins was also the Zach Sudfeld. Year. Zach Sudfeld. <laughs> Zach Sudfeld year. I was trying to come up with the name. I couldn't. I couldn't because. That was uh, so. Sudfeld was was after. Wait, what was was Gronk injured? Gronk was injured. Uh, well, might have been the year. Or that was Aaron he... Hernandez? Oh, uh, okay. Had some off the field issues. Right, uh, right. Uh, murdered someone. So, so, so Sudfeld. Yeah, Sudfeld was was drafted as a like a, a tight end one in fantasy, if I remember. He was Evan Silva. I'm sorry to put you on blast, Evan. Evan <laughs> spent all of his dynasty fab on Zach Sudfeld that fall uh, when he became available. Evan, so I actually, I felt like uh, Evan Silva's love of Zach Sudfeld uh, provided me cover to actually go in on, on, on Sudfeld and uh, ended up not being the case. I believe in the first, in the first game as a starter, he he fumbled, and that was the end of the, that. Was the end of that? Yeah, he caught five passes as a rookie. Uh, they came for the Jets, not the Patriots. Uh, he right. was released midway through the season, and this is just what having Tom Brady around did to people. They would just believe anything they read, and Zach Sudfeld became a thing. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell was one where he was like an actually good player. But he basically Malcolm Mitchell caught six passes for 70 yards in the 28 to three game and then literally never played again and had a nice rookie year, but he had chronic knee issues. I don't remember that guy. You don't remember Malcolm Mitchell? Malcolm Mitchell? He was a University of Georgia prospect. He came in the league really old. He had like a long history of knee woes, but he had like, he was really hyped in Dynasty. I drafted him in Dynasty. 
because like he had like a really good compiling skill set, and Tom Brady like instantly made him a thing, but then he never played again. Uh, he helped he helped end the Falcons franchise as a rookie, right. and then he never played again. Right. I I think that uh, we've all made the mistake of of saying, oh, the Patriots drafted a receiver. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about it was not a profitable strategy. Yeah. I'm gonna pull up a few random years here just real quick before we go. The 2010 Patriots, the number five receiver in terms of yardage was Brandon Tate. Yeah, uh, remember that? Danny Woodhead was sixth that year. Danny Woodhead uh, was a PPR cheat code for a while. He was. Uh, Deion Branch was still on the Patriots in 2010. I kind of that seems hard to believe. Uh, I'm going to go to another random page. Let's see who the leading Patriots receiver was in 2013. Um, who, just take a guess. It, it's probably going to be an obvious answer, I guess. Is it, who, was it Brandon Lloyd? No, it was probably Gronk. Let me look. Um, this is bad. No, it was Julian Edelman. It was Edelman. Okay. Shane Vereen, Aaron Dobson, Brandon Bolden. Brandon Bolden was already on the Patriots in 2013. My goodness. Uh, I um, think I, <laughs> I think that uh, God. So Brandon Bolden's got to be like forty years old. He's in his thirties. Um, yeah. Uh, that year was the year Julian Edelman on a Thursday night, I believe, against the Jets, um, caught like eleven balls for sixty yards, and <laughs> the PPR haters never recovered. They they, never they still recover. have it. No. <laughs> and who do you think the Patriots? Leading receiver was take I, any guess in 2006, the the year before Randy Moss and Wes oh Welker arrived. Gosh, I mean, I was gonna say Deion Branch, but I guess that's not it. Huh? Not Deion. It was Rache Caldwell. Caldwell. Who was an, yeah. Unfortunately, no longer with us. But Rache Caldwell was another guy who Tom Brady, who is just kind of a journeyman. I think, I think he had like 250 career targets. I think a hundred of them came from Tom Brady. He wow. just led the Patriots in receiving it. Ben Watson, Kevin Falk, Doug oh. Gabriel. Who is Doug Gabriel? <laughs> I don't know who Doug Gabriel is. Uh, that's a creative player. Yeah. Lawrence Maroney, Daniel. Lawrence Maroney's from St. Louis. Daniel Graham. Lawrence Maroney. Man, oh, man. That was the 2006 Patriots. Real, real quick, we'll look at the 2002 Patriots. Brady's first year as starter. And who, who do you think led the 2002 Patriots in receiving? Do you have this hazard any guess oh my whatsoever? Gosh. 2002? 2002. Was it Troy Brown? Yeah, it actually was Troy okay. Brown. <laughs> and then, then David Patton, Dion Branch was already on the Patriots. And Kevin Falk, Christian Faria. Oh, my goodness. <gasps> Antoine Smith. I remember that guy. Mario oh, Antoine Edwards. Smith was like the seven foot running back. I yeah, think. he was he was a big he was a big guy. Six two, two thirty-two. I mean, but yeah, but like when a running back is that tall, they might as well be seven foot. No, like, I know, and he probably foot. had on one of those like neck guards. Yeah, <laughs> just ridiculously large. It makes you look like the mountain. Um see Brady, he 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 had some some guys along the well, stretch. I mean, we we could have a whole show about the running backs who became PPR cheat codes under Brady. Shane was, Green. Was Green the first. No, 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 no. Um, Kevin Falk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Falk, uh, Woodhead, Breen, uh, James White. I, I'm not taking away anything from these guys, but, I mean, they did, just became like automatic seven reception guys every week. James White was like the final product. He was like the end game. Yes. Like he was like the final boss of the PPR Tom Brady scams. Um, <laughs> Danny Woodhead was close to being – that was pretty kind of egregious. I, I remember uh, talking to Rich Hill, who was a longtime Patriots uh, reporter, about James White before he emerged, and I was like, "Is this guy going to be a thing?" 
like, please tell me James White is going to be a thing. He said, yes, absolutely. He's going to be a thing. He has all the trust in the world. He's going to be a thing. I got James White. He led me to, uh, I, I believe, to a fantasy championship. So thanks to Rich Hill for pointing me towards James White way back in the day. Shouts to him. He is yeah, at Pat's, or he's, he was part of Pat's pulpit for he a was. long time, the Patriots SB Nation website. He's a very good Patriots follow. That's all the time we have for today. We'll, we'll be talking about Tom Brady till we die because he's just permanently uh, yep. taking up residence in all of our heads. And it's fine. That's, yeah. And he, all the people who yell at me, oh, rent free, rent free yeah. about all sorts of political is, figures. Yeah. yeah. Tom Brady lives rent free in my head. I'll say it. Yeah. There are, there are worse people that could live rent free in your head. So yeah. oh, Tom Brady's rent free in all of our heads. It's fine. There you go. We'll be in there till we die. But yeah, I can, there, there are worse outcomes. So thank you so much for listening to us today. We'll be back on Thursday with myself, Denny, John Daigle, and Matt Straup. Check out all of our stuff on the site as we get ready for the Super Bowl on NBC in 12 days. For Denny, I'm Pat. We will catch you later in the week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.